Son was made known by the message of an angel, may, by his passion and cross, be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas-Fort Worth. Catholic radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. Live from the KATH 910 AM studios in Las Colinas and broadcasting across North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is the Good News Show. And good afternoon. It is the Good News Show here on KTH 910 AM, Guadalupe Radio Network. Glad you're with us. Welcome. My name is Dave Palmer, along with Cecil Anderson and Diane Xavier in studio with us as well, because we have a lot to talk about. And Diane's the one keeping track of all the numbers for the Summer Speaker Series event. So uh, good afternoon to both of you. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? I am doing dandy. And we are <laughs> how many days away from our Summer Speaker we... Series? Yeah, 10. Is ten. it 10? 10? Third, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it it's is. next Thursday, 10 days. Wow. I'm yeah. not good at math. So maybe, I'm that, glad. <laughs> maybe that should be, yeah, a week plus three. Week uh, plus three. Maybe that can be because this was going to send a big bulk email out today. Maybe mm-hmm. that can be the title. 10, 10 days. days, but only seven days to That's, get your tickets, yeah. right? Seven days left. All right. It's running out. What we'll time talk. is the deadline to purchase tickets? Uh, it's 6 p.m. next a week from today. So that's Monday, August 2nd. Yeah. Yeah, wow. August second. That's crazy. Because the Irving Convention Center needs seventy-two hours. Final numbers. I turned in uh, preliminary numbers on Friday, uh, and we'll talk uh, more about that. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but uh, we'll, we'll give you an update on that and encourage you to get tickets and tell you about a live remote we're doing tomorrow, which is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so today is uh, the twenty-sixth of July, and I wish my wonderful wife a very happy birthday. To, she was born. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess you never say people's ages, all right? But <laughs> yeah, this is I a mean, this is a this is a big birthday for her. Okay, a she's a, she's on a, a particular decade. Okay, so she's not ten. She's twenty five. Uh, well, no, she's on she's on like a, a 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, <laughs> 60, 70, 80. Okay, I'll let you guess which one that is. <laughs> and, uh, and I gave you a hint. She's not ten, and, she, and, and she's not twenty, and she's not a hundred. Okay, that leaves you about six or seven of them mm-hmm. to guess from. Okay. She's still young. <laughs> uh, she's not 90. I'm going to save this audio forever. <laughs> <laughs> she's not 90 and she's not 80. Okay, so now you got about four to choose from. There you go. All right, so happy birthday. We had a great celebration with her. And it's a feast of St. Joachim and Anne today. It is. All right, so we're each going to tell one grandparent's uh, story. Okay. okay? So, so, so you want to start? Oh, I get to start. Uh, something okay. about grandparents. You know, happy uh, grandparents' yes. day, if, if that's what it is today. I know that's why I went to Mass at St. Michael's today and he talked to uh, Father. B talked about grandparents oh, a lot. Oh, awesome. But yeah, so this is a big grandparents' day. Absolutely. So I really only grew up with my dad's parents, who um, my grandmother, she was Catholic, and I do think that it was her prayers that got my family back into the Catholic Church. But one of my favorite things that she used to do was that she had a big Bible that she'd have in one of our, her rooms, and she would hide dollar bills in it. So that <laughs> like her that. her idea was that the grandchildren would go and read the Bible yeah. and find the dollar bill. Um, I think I might have been one of the only ones who actually, because I found out about it, because I was just I started flipping through the pages because I was mm-hmm. like, let me do something, and I was like. 
there's money. <laughs> and I think I, I became like my personal cash spot. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. know if it worked entirely with the whole actually reading the Bible. I would always feel guilty. I would be like, I can't just take the dollar. Mm-hmm. I have to read at least yeah, one Bible verse. Yeah, so that, that guy uh, would frown upon that. Exactly. If you're just going read for the one money. Bible verse and then yeah. have to go away. So that was one. There's tons of my grandmother's stories, but that was the first one that came to mind. All right. That's a good one. Diane, grandparents story. Well, I'm, you know, I'm a huge sports fan, so I have to go back to sports. Growing up, uh, I used to be a huge, I still am a Cowboys fan, and we'd have the Sacred Heart of Jesus by my up up on the wall by my stereo. And our grandmother lived with our family. Mm-hmm. And growing up during the Cowboys game, I'm not the only one who does this because I've talked to other people who do the same thing. I would pray during the Cowboys game in front of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And while the Cowboys games were on in the 90s when they were yeah. doing their Super Bowl run, I would like pray during the games and read Bible verses. And my grandmother, she didn't. You know, she didn't really speak. Eng- she didn't. She didn't speak English, but mm-hmm. she would just watch me watch the games, and she'd always like observe me praying. Yeah. And then in her later years, um, uh, she moved to my uh, my uh, mom's sister's house, and she lived there. And before she passed, uh, we visited her, and like our cousins had like the NBA basketball game on, and I was just staring at the game and asking my cousins about the game. And then my grandmother, who was sitting next to me, she she looked at me and smiled and giggled. She goes, Diane, this is you praying to our Lord during the game. I remember you when you were young. You (laughs) used to do that. So I thought, wow. Yeah, I knew Diane would tie in sports somehow. And uh, that's one of the reasons why Diane's in studio is because we have, uh, coming at about uh, about five minutes, uh, a gentleman, a really interesting story uh, event that's coming up. His name is uh, Patrick Steenberg, president and founder of GlobalFootball.com. And they are going to have the inaugural Catholic Ball event over Labor Day weekend. And this involves, it's very Catholic, it's very patriotic. They're honoring, in fact, a blessed, a, a military hero. Uh, and there's going to be four football teams representing four different dioceses. And I'll tell you more details about that, including Dallas and Fort Worth diocese involved in this. So Patrick will join us for that. And then the second half of the show, um, uh, Dr. Sanford uh, is going to have our UD segment. He had to pre-record this one, uh, so that'll start at about 1230, uh, where we always highlight something going on over the University of Dallas. And the president, uh, Dr. Jonathan Sanford, comes in once a month and does that segment, and so we'll play that. All right, so great grandparents' stories there, and uh, my, mine, I don't know, I think I like y'all's better, but I, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, one thing I, my, my grand, most of my grandparents, three out of four of them died when I was quite young, um, mm-hmm. uh, in, in like a teenager or, or younger, but the one who lived the longest was my mom's mom. Her name was Gertrude. And she went by her nickname was Toots. I, of course, we, we, we we didn't call her Toots, but the the adults called her Toots. But uh, um, so she lived in London. But I remember she and my mom for for decades would handwrite letters to each other back and forth. You know, I mean, this was before mm. email and all that. But uh, they they just kept so much in touch. And I always thought that was a great example. of My mom, mm. uh, you know, really caring for her mother and in in writing letters and not not just talking on the phone, but handwritten letters. I mean, who does that these days? And yeah. uh, you know, handwritten letters. But um, I, I just remember that she had a great interest in 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 keeping you know in, in touch with my mom, who was you know one of her kids. Uh, so yeah, so, so, um, my, my maternal grandmother, <clears throat> and then of course my, I could tell you something about all of them. But, oh yeah, uh, my, absolutely. My, 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 my maternal grand, my paternal grandmother 
always wanted our the, the the kids to look sharp, to smart, you know, to buy, <laughs> buy clothes for them, uh, and, and and just she was very much into fashion and wanted uh, the 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 grandchildren to look nice, and so she would go out of her way to buy stuff. So I'm sorry I cheated. I told two two stories. That's you're not like, fair. You're like, I Come want on. another story <laughs> <laughs> next year. So so you're gonna oh, start. I'll okay, what the you have a whole year or two. <laughs> a whole year over. to think about it. All right. Uh, so let's see if we get through this quickly. Maybe Cecil can tell another story. Bye bye. Um, uh, let's see. And tomorrow, by the way, uh, we have a live remote broadcast at Sacred Heart Books and Gifts uh, with Nikki and Jean Ann and Dana Nygaard is going to be over there talking awesome. about a new book about marriage, which um, uh, we did an re- interview recently. So that's going to be a lot of fun. They're, they're doing some neat things over at Sacred Heart with YouTube channels and social media and some Ooh. new ventures. And so it's always fun being over there. So anyways, Diane, do you want to give an update on how we're doing with tickets? Yes, we are right now currently at 765 tickets. Wow. And the Irvin Convention Center, our new venue, uh, where we're hosting the Summer Speaker Series, can hold um, about 1,000 to 1,200 people. So we have a lot of spaces open, uh, seats open. So please purchase your tickets because... 10 days, it's going to go by fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, and it'll yeah. be here before you know it. And, and I, you know, we've always said all along a thousand would be like, uh, you know, the, the, the goal mm-hmm. of a thousand people. And of course, this is for uh, Thursday, August 5th, in case you're like, what event are you talking about? <laughs> it's a Summer Speaker Series event. Father John Ricardo is coming in and we're going to have uh, hors d'oeuvres and wine and uh, cookies and, uh, you know, uh, Transmitter of the Faith Award being uh, handed out. It's going to be a, a, a great, great event. Uh, com is where you buy your tickets. Tickets. And I, I think we'll easily pass 800. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm thinking 900 is an in reach, but you never know. I mean, the last, the, over the weekend, lots of people bought tickets. Oh, yeah. And it's definitely going to be, I think, the biggest one we've had, Dave. I mean, I think it's pretty hands down. We're I almost, think it already it is. Already yeah. is. Yeah. Well, yeah. there we go. We can make <laughs> it that bigger previous. and better. <laughs> yeah. Father Larry Richards was the biggest one. I think that I, I, I'm just off memory, maybe like 725 or so. And uh, so there's still some sponsors that we need to hear from. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll blow past 800. And awesome. It might be 900 or so. So uh, get your tickets. We'd love to see you there. Uh, summerspeakerseries.com, summerspeakerseries.com. And parking is free. Yeah, uh, yeah parking is free to the attendee. We're, yeah. we're, yes. we're covering the parking, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> and so take it, yeah, tickets are $75. So did you want to tell a 30-second grandparent story? Sure, or, okay. I would love to. Because after you, you know, raise a fuss you know, about no. <laughs> it, you better have a story, yeah. <laughs> I do just like raising uh, okay. fusses sometimes. One more grandparent okay. Story. All right. So my grandfather, my uh, paternal grandfather, he um, as he got older, especially he was not good at always remembering who all of us were. It would just be a young lady. Can you come fix this little girl? Can you do that? Can you fix this curtain or whatnot? And I think it was the last Christmas that he was alive. He was in a nursing home and my siblings and I and our dad went to go visit him and he was eating dinner. And again, he could hardly remember us, unfortunately, but we were, you know, we're just spending time with him. And my dad said, hey, I'm going to go run some errands. You got you kids. We want to stay with Grandpa for a little bit. And we're like, yeah, we'll stay with Grandpa. And my Grandpa just, you know, looked up and he, you know, he he's in a wheelchair. He can't get anywhere by himself. And he just goes, "Don't worry, Chuck. I'll look after the kids." <laughs> and you know, we were all like, you know, teenager or yeah. you know, young adults. And I just remember thinking that was so sweet that he was like, "Don't worry." You know, I can't really do anything, but don't worry. I'll watch the kids. Yeah. I'll babysit them. <laughs> and we're, we're, dad's like, well, I was kind of leaving them to babysit you, yeah, dad, right. but that's okay. Yeah, it sounds like a good, so. good, yeah, for the kids, it's like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, absolutely. Lack of supervision. <laughs> all right. Very good. So, all right. Next year, Diane gets to tell three grandparent stories. <laughs> yes. So, all right, let's get to, we're going to get uh, Patrick on the phone and uh, talk about this 
event, the Catholic Bowl inaugural event, uh, which I don't know, Diane, you must have been just really excited when you heard about this with your love for, for sports. What really intrigued me was football, American football is actually played throughout the world. Yeah. Now, I was only aware I that somewhere, I think in Australia or New Zealand, I was familiar that they had American football, but it's actually played in countries like China, Italy. It's not as popular as the NFL here. Yeah, yeah. And so th- I was, uh, that makes sense because I remember one year the NFL, uh, Roger Goodell, the commissioner, was like, we don't want interference from our satellite interference from other nations mm-hmm. during our games. And this is why we're doing some procedure. I forgot what it was. And now I get it. I'm like, it's all over the world. All right. Uh, this is the Good News Show. And as we talked about, Diane in studio here, because she's a big, big sports fan. She, she likes sports much more than I do. I don't know about Cecil, but somebody who I'm pretty certain is a huge sports fan is our guest, uh, Patrick Steenberg, president and founder of GlobalFootball.com. And he is the uh, brains, I believe, behind this inaugural Catholic Bowl, which he's going to explain. And before we bring Patrick on, I do want to thank Larry Hahn. He's probably listening right now. Worthy navigator of the Knights of Columbus Assembly 3642 out of Prince of Peace Catholic Community in Plano. And he's the one who initially touched base with me and said, all right, if you want to do an interview, Patrick's your man. And so Patrick joins us. Uh, Patrick, good afternoon. Thank you for being on the program today. Well, thank you. It's uh, great to have you. And yeah, it's exciting. We're uh, almost around August. It's almost high school football. Kids are almost back to school, and uh, we're looking forward to the inaugural Catholic Bowl on Labor Day weekend. Yeah, I only said a little bit about it. In fact, I didn't even mention the particular teams or diocese, and uh, I see the press release that says on September 4th, uh, which is, of course, Labor Day weekend, Global Football will work with leaders representing four Catholic dioceses that will be representing the competition. So can you give our listeners just kind of an overview of what is going on on September 4th and how this all came about? Sure. We've got four, you know, outstanding Catholic high schools from four different dioceses in uh, Texas, as well as Louisiana. And they're going to bring their football teams to, to compete up at, uh, in Frisco in the Ford Center at the Star, the, the Cowboys facility, uh, that, that great indoor stadium. And in the first game at two o'clock, it'll be St. Thomas High School out of Houston, obviously the Houston Galveston diocese. We'll play against John Paul II out of Plano, which is part of the Dallas Diocese. And then at 7 o'clock, Nolan Catholic out of Fort Worth and the Fort Worth Diocese will host Little Rock Catholic from Little Rock, Arkansas. So it's a, a doubleheader game. But along with, you know, the football is kind of the gathering point. And everything that I've done over 26 years with global football, we use football as kind of the center point, the gathering point that, that becomes the focal Piece, but it's much more than that. It's, it's a lot about education. And this event especially, we, we talk all about faith, freedom, and football. Those are the three tenets of this event that we're going to celebrate both Friday and Saturday. Yeah, and some people may not realize that Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, uh, sent his uh, at least one of his kids to uh Catholic High in Little Rock, right? And that's how the Arkansas team got involved. It has a uh, a Dallas Cowboy connection, right? Well, yeah. Actually, uh, Jerry Jr. and Steven, uh, both the Jerry's sons, both did go to Little Rock Catholic, both played football there. But that isn't actually how they, how they got involved. 
Um, it was funny, David Bender, who's worked really hard with me on this whole project, uh, he and I have been talking about this for probably a year to do something like this and where to field it, you know, where to celebrate Catholic high school, Catholic education, um, Catholic athletics. And uh, when we settled upon, uh, you know, the star, uh, David knew the coach, George Teague, who is now also the athletic director up at JP2, and he got them involved, and they had a game already set up to play St. Thomas. So we that was a pretty easy move from the JP2 stadium, moving it over to the star. And then I knew the uh, people at, at Fort Worth at Nolan, so I contacted David Bowden there, and he was excited about it. And then finding the fourth one, actually it was a longtime coach, Houston Nutt, who coached at Arkansas and at Old Miss and uh, played at Arkansas. And I reached out to Houston and asked him who in Arkansas might might be worthy of this. And he came up right away with Little Rock Catholic and just told me kind of the history of, of the school and how they've been just a great, you know, academic and athletic program in Arkansas. So he actually introduced me to Tim Ezzi, the uh, – the athletic director at Little Rock Catholic, we contacted him, and I really didn't know about the Jones connection immediately, but mm. then it all it all came to light, and uh, it was great that Stephen put a piece in about the on our press release about it, and I know they'll be you know actively engaged, and some people may know you know Charlotte, who was involved in so many things for the Cowboys, Charlotte Jones. Now she attended um, Central High School because uh, Little Rock Catholic is an all an all boys school, mm-hmm. so she attended Central, and she actually knows Houston. So that's kind of how that connection. But Charlotte now is uh, head of the new museum that's going to be uh, built here, being built uh, on, for the Medal of Honor recipients um, of America. That's going to be right there in Arlington. So this fits a lot into what the Cowboys do. You know, they, they celebrate our freedom and our military. And this being, you know, the week after that on uh, September 11th will be the 20th anniversary of nine 11. And it just hit me right away that, you know, our high school students were not born when nine 11 occurred, right? To them, it's a historic event, kind of like what the Korean war was to me and people my age, you know? So, we're going to you know, do a tribute to 9-11 to, uh, you know, some of the first responders uh, and the survivors and 9-11 and kind of tell that story along with, you know, getting ready to, to play football and, and talk about our Catholic faith. Yeah, which leads me into the and the next question, the the Catholic angle, I guess you can say to this, um, there's going to be a concelebrated mass on the Friday before the games, um, 800 attendees expected. Tell, tell us more about that. Who, From a clergy standpoint, who do you expect to be, sure. to be celebrating that, and who, who will be participating in that Mass? Yeah, we're going to kick off the whole weekend, uh, Friday evening, over at Rough Riders Ballpark, you know, the, uh, the Frisco Rough Riders, the minor league baseball field. And this is not a public event, so any uh, people listening to this, you, you can't buy tickets to this one. This is going to be just for the students who are participating in the in the event on Saturday. So that'll be the football teams, obviously their coaches and staff, but also the, the cheerleaders, the marching bands, the ROTC groups. Uh, I know John Paul too, their choir is going to be uh, singing at the mass. So it's going to be a private event for our attendees, but yeah, we'll have about a thousand people between all the students and then their, uh, their school sponsors. Um, we're, we're working with each of the four dioceses. Uh, to have, you know, the, the proper clergy there. 
and we haven't got them all locked down yet, but we know we're going to have, you know, some bishops uh, helping to kind of celebrate the Mass and, and other religious who will be there. So it's going to be a, a pretty special way. We're going to start off with, you know, presentation of the colors by the Little Rock Catholic ROTC group. Um, mm-hmm. And then we're going to have a, a video honoring Father Emil Kapan, a, a victim of the Korean War a casualty there who uh, is, is up for canonization to be a saint. So we're going to honor him also. And then we've got Rocky Blyer, uh, who a lot of people may remember from his years with the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, was a Notre Dame running back who went to Vietnam and was seriously injured and then fought his way back to become able to walk again and be able to play football. So Rocky's going to be our keynote speaker that night. So it's going to be a, a pretty special way. And then we're going to have just live music and food and let the kids have some fellowship from the four different schools, you know, throughout the evening. Yeah. I'm curious about the Captain Emil Capon um, tribute. How will that, you know, be carried out? How will people become more aware of him during this event? And what what are the plans for that to to highlight his life and legacy and uh, hopefully one day canonization? Yeah, and it's, and it's something, you know, I, I don't think I'm unique in that I knew nothing about him six months ago. And yeah. I think probably most, most Catholics wouldn't know his name. Um, but he was a, a Medal of Honor recipient, uh, was killed in the prisoner of war camp in Korea, you know, for tending to his fellow servicemen. And uh, he's from Wichita, Kansas, and the diocese there. They've sent us some information. So we're going to... Uh, we haven't got it all pieced together yet, but we're going to show a, a video of his life um, that's been put together and, and that they've got it with the Diocese of Wichita, Kansas. So we're going to show that at the ballpark Friday night, kind of before Mass. And then we're also going to show it uh, in in the uh, Ford Center on the big screen video there before each game, just so people can, can start to get a sense of, of who this is. Uh, father was. We also know they have they have found his remains. They've identified his remains now in Hawaii, and they are there's plans to bring them back to America. And uh, we're talking with some people who are involved in that process, and uh, just to see if we can assist with that in any way or, or be a part of that. So it's a it's a fascinating story. Uh, father Amo Kapan. It's K A P A U N. If anybody's wanting to learn more about him. How do you, I understand that uh, St. Pope John Paul II actually wrote an encyclical on the power of sports and its uh, relation to God. As a former athlete and, you know, still being involved in sports as promoting uh, football throughout the world and with this current uh, games coming up, how do you think playing sports glorifies God? Wow. I, um... You know, football has been a part of my life since fourth grade when I was at St. Luke's grade school in Erie, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I jumped on the team because my big brother, who was in seventh grade, said, come on, we're going to practice. <laughs> um, and I started then and then was able to uh, attend the school, uh, Erie Cathedral Prep in Pennsylvania, and uh, was, you know, was able to have great coaching, great teammates, and earned a scholarship to play at Notre Dame under Era Parsegan in the early 70s. And, you know, it, it is interesting because people don't, a lot of times people don't talk about their faith, how it, you know, fits in the, in, into their life. And I think I, I understand it more now than I did when I was actually participating. Um, 
I just think it's it's a part of life. It's a part, you know, football to me is the greatest team sport that's ever been created. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love I love all kinds of sports. My kids were all swimmers and track athletes, but those are more individualistic. You know, football, it takes 11 people at the snap of a ball for about three <laughs> to four seconds to do their job. And they've got to all rely on, on the guy next to you. You know, you've got to depend on them. And they talk about have have faith in your teammate. Well, where does that faith come from? You know, that faith originally comes from something far greater than us. Um, I just, I mean, right now I'm I'm I was just um, notified about two hours ago. My daughter, who lives in Sweden, who was also a Notre Dame graduate and a swimmer, she just had our third grandchild. Our first, oh, you know, she just had praise, her first baby like this morning at eight a.m. Praise Texas God! Time, Congratulations. You know? Yeah, and I'm thinking, what a blessing. You yeah, know, we were talking earlier gift. about, this is uh, the, the, the feast day of St. Joachim and Anne, uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary's uh, parents, and so Jesus' grandparents. And so this is Grandparents' right. Day. You became a grandparent again. Well, at Isn't least... That the, 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 yeah, that's awesome. So congratulations on that. <laughs> oh, way overseas. I hope you get to see the baby sometime soon. Yeah, uh, we're going to figure that out. But I, I just think that when you live life as a Catholic, I, I think that's just part sports fits right into it. It's, it's all about teamwork. It's all about belief in, in, in the other people with belief in, in things greater than you. You know, how many times you see people say, do the sign of the cross before a free throw in basketball or just little things. So we, we want to, we want to celebrate that. We're, we're not hiding it. We're going to celebrate it right here. When, you know, before at the, uh, you know, when they do the coin toss for the football games, you always do the the national anthem is right before that, right? Mm-hmm. You, you do the national anthem. Well, we're also going to do the Our Father. Mm. You know, we're gonna we're, we're gonna proudly you know put you know put out there that hey we are we are Catholic uh, schools representing Catholic education and and but we're, we're <laughs> but when the whistle blows we're gonna try to knock that guy down and then pick him up. That's, you know, that's right. What's <laughs> all about? Uh, Patrick Steenberg joining us, uh, president, founder, Global Football. Uh, his website, globalfootball.com. We're talking about the inaugural Catholic Bowl event. It's going to be uh, a day of football on September 4th, as uh, 2 o'clock, John Paul II High School in Plano will take on St. Thomas High School in Houston. And then that evening, a matchup between Nolan Catholic High School in Fort Worth and Little Rock Catholic in Arkansas. Uh, um, Patrick, we're down to our last few minutes, but I want to kind of get some of the nuts and bolts of this down as far as how people can participate. I know you said the mass is private, but the games themselves, I know you're selling tickets for. How do people get tickets to those games? And I, I'm also thinking you, the, the winners of those two games, will they play or will it just be the two games after those? After those? No, it, it's just those two games. And these okay. are regular season games for the teams. They're okay. usually before they get into their district. Uh, but they're regular season games, and and our goal is to, you know, do such a great job this year that schools around the country find out about it and want to come and be part of the next Catholic Bowl. I've already had some contacts, but yeah, the tickets for Saturday um, are going to be available August sixth. They're going to go on sale through SeatGeek, so they'll all be uh, electronic tickets through the SeatGeek program. Who who does all the Cowboys tickets? So people are familiar with that. Anything at the Star at the Ford Center. Um, and, and one ticket will get you the whole day. So you can watch two football games. You'll have in and out privileges. You could leave after the first game, go out and have, have lunch or dinner at one of the restaurants and come back into the game. So that'll, those will be available for, you know, two, two great days of football again. And Rocky Blyer will do the coin toss. Both, both games. We'll have a video of him, a video of father Emil Capon. We're going to celebrate, you know, the, the, the uh, wonders of, 
the great men and women who helped with the 9-11 uh, tragedy, helped, helped the survivors. So it's going to be a full day, but I would love to have people come. And we're also, we've gotten support. I've, I've gotten a number of people who have reached out. We've got uh, the Fort Worth Diocese is going to help support us, the Dallas Diocese. Was, we're paying for the cost of the two teams to come up from Houston and Little Rock, and we've got to rent the stadium and, you know, the baseball field. We've got uh, some wonderful people at JP2 are helping with the party Friday night. So if anybody wants to help, you know, assist with this with this event, uh, we'd love to have have your support also just we just want to do such a, a great event for all the young men and, and the women who will be part of this all right seat geek uh, s-e-a-t-g-e-e-k dot uh, com for tickets and uh i know diane's got one more question we just got about two minutes remaining as far as just general sure. information about the you know if people just want to know the basics of what's happening would that be at globalfootball.com or where would they go for those details yeah if you go on my website which is globalfootball.com and there's a tab at the top that'll have the Catholic Bowl. It's, it's got a, a couple of different, I'm doing a big game over in Ireland next year, the high school games connected with uh, the Nebraska Northwestern game. So there'll be information on the different things we do, but the Catholic Bowl right there is, is prominent. So if people want to go on there and they can email me and uh, we can re- we can contact that way. All right. Uh, got about one minute remaining. Diane, you have a question? I understand that you also plan to have some legendary former athletes of the game in attendance, if you can name some yeah. that you have in plan? Yeah, well, we've got um, the good part about that day. <laughs> on that Saturday is the opening weekend of college football, but Notre Dame plays on Sunday at Florida State. So we will have our, our we'll have a number of former Notre Dame players who live in the, in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, Reggie Brooks being one of them. Reggie is a longtime buddy of mine, and he uh, just moved <laughs> – moved back from South Bend where he's worked at Notre Dame on campus for 15 years, but he's moved back and he's going to reach out and get a number of former Notre Dame players. There's also a couple of guys on the Cowboys uh, who are Notre Dame, Notre Dame players, and they'll be practicing that morning, but they don't open their season until the following week. So they'll be in town, but they won't be around. They won't have to be practicing right then or playing a game that weekend. So we'll have a lot of former players, especially those with Notre Dame connections, uh, we'll we'll gather them for a big picture before the coin toss, and they'll be they'll be out and about talking about their lives as football and, and playing at a at a Catholic university. All right, uh, Patrick. Thanks so much. I know we'll talk again because uh, this is going to really get uh, heated up. Interestingly, our I told you on the phone our big event is on August fifth, and so once we you know all the dust settles from that, we're going to say, well, what are we going to do next? And <laughs> we want to get behind this and promote it. And we have a we have a station in the Guadalupe Radio Network down in Houston, so maybe we can talk some smack with them and get a little competition going when our Dallas, our well, Plano team is taking on the Houston team. So anyways, we look forward yeah. to it. We'll talk again. Patrick, thank you for your time. Uh, globalfootball.com is the website for the basic information. And then as of uh, August 6th, you can go to seatgeek.com and get your tickets to those uh, two games, uh, which will be on Saturday, September 4th. Does I get that right? Uh, yeah. All right, Patrick, thank you so yeah. much. Great speaking with you. All right, thank you. Really appreciate it. All right, uh, that's going to be fun. Yeah, so look, yeah that's going to be look great. Look forward to it, man. It's going to be a busy football season. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm sitting there sending all these texts to Cecil. Like, let's skip the break. Let's do just thirty seconds. And Cecil's probably thinking, "What are we doing? Can we just play our spot and then come back?" Okay. So we're going to take a, a thirty second break. This is the spot that Cecil and I recorded promoting the Summer Speaker Series event. And again, it's uh, ten days away, but you only have seven days to get tickets. Next Monday, six o'clock. 
No tickets after that. You can't get them at the door. And we're expecting eight, 900 people at the Irvine Convention Center to hear Father John Ricardo. And uh, it's going to be a great event. So here's 30 seconds. And then we'll come back and uh, queue up the interview with uh, Dr. Jonathan Sanford in the UD segment. Hey, Cecil, we need a new fun spot promoting the Summer Speaker Series event ASAP. Don't worry, Dave, I've got this. The Summer Speaker Series with Father John Ricardo is just days away on Thursday, August 5th. It's an evening of wine, hors d'oeuvres, and a keynote by Father Ricardo. Get your tickets soon because this year, ticket sales are going to end on Monday, August 2nd at 6 p.m. There will be no tickets purchased at the door. So don't wait. Get them today at summerspeakerseries.com. Wow, that was a surprisingly normal spot. I can't be funny all the time, Dave. Oh, yeah, you can. So, so you can be funny all the time, and we demand it. Uh, all right, this is a good news show. As I mentioned, always on the fourth uh, Monday of the month, we have what's called the University of Dallas segment. It's a great honor to have Dr. Jonathan Sanford, who comes normally live, but sometimes he has to pre-record if his schedule doesn't allow him to be here live. And that was the case this month. He came in, did this interview, and so we are going to play that. And so with no further ado here on the good news show, we welcome... Uh, Dr. Jonathan Sanford. Uh, good afternoon, Dr. Sanford. Well, thanks so much, Dave. It's a pleasure to be here again, and I'm just really grateful for the opportunity to um, be part of your show once a month. So we have a very special guest today, Dr. Mark Goodwin, who is a professor of theology at the University of Dallas. He's worn a lot of hats over the years, including being an, a dean of the School of Ministry, longtime chair of our Department of Theology. He is a um, well-known biblical scholar, and we're going to talk about some elements of his of his own research emphases and how they relate to his teaching. And then I want to look a little bit at at some of the, the changes that we've made at the University of Dallas with respect to theology instruction and ministry instruction. So welcome to the show, Dr. Goodwin. Thank you. Good morning, Dr. Sanford. So you know, one thing that I, I like to, to emphasize on this show is when I want to interview one of our, our uh, faculty members, is, is talk about what inspired them to become the, the master of this or that discipline. And, and there is no more important discipline than theology when it comes to thinking about the, the spectrum of knowledge. And there is no more important text than the Bible, it seems to me. And, and could you tell us what, what inspired you to, to become a, a scholar of the Bible? Sure. Uh, when I was young, I was uh, kind of a, like a nerd. I, I liked reading books more than doing anything else. And so at a certain point, my mom actually introduced uh, my brothers and I to the Bible. Uh, she um, thought it would be a good idea for us to read passages of Scripture during the Lenten season, so for 40 days. Uh, and this was around the time of the Second Vatican Council, when Catholics were freer to pursue uh, private uh, study of the Bible. So I have to give credit here to my mom, who uh, got me uh, hooked on the Bible. Uh, when I started reading the Bible, uh, I just became fascinated with it. It was this huge, sprawling book, uh, full of mystery and, and beauty. Mm-hmm. And I began to get hooked on uh, various parts of it and began to understand how important it was to uh, my Catholic identity. And so uh, ever since that uh, early time, I'm just really fascinated and uh, hooked on the Bible. 
you know, so it's, it's, it's one thing to, to, um, become fascinated by the Bible and as, as you put it, hooked on it. And, and in fact, I, I hope and pray that all of our listeners, um, and all of our students at the University of Dallas will, will become similarly, um, uh, enchanted isn't the right word, but, but just, um, vivified by their engagement with the word of God. But it, yeah. it, it's another thing to, to become a, um, a scholar. I mean, you, you, your, your study of the Bible, um, became a, a, a really a, a vocation and a lifelong affair. And when was it that you decided, you know, I, I don't want to just live with the Bible and study it as, as a, an avocation. I, I've got a calling to, um, dedicate yeah. myself to this. Yeah, I think um, uh, teaching was a, uh, a critical experience for me, a crucial experience in terms of my growth and development. Growing up, I never thought I would be a teacher mm-hmm. of the Bible. I kind of fell into it by chance. After getting a master's degree uh, in theology, I found a job teaching in an all-boys Catholic high school in central Massachusetts in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I fell in love with the teaching of the Bible and theology. And I couldn't believe they were paying me to do something that I absolutely loved. Um, I got to share my passion on on a daily basis uh, with my students. And I thought, hey, maybe this uh, is the reason uh, why God put me on uh, this earth. Mm -hmm. And so I began to pursue this path. And after uh, doctoral work, I took up teaching on the college level Mm -hmm. and was very blessed to find uh, a job teaching scripture at the University of Dallas in 1993. And I absolutely uh, love uh, teaching at UD. Yeah. As much as I enjoy doing administration, my, my (laughs) real, my real love here, the high point of any given week during the semester is being in the classroom uh, with the students, yeah, and, and and for our listeners, there's there's a, a, a little irony behind that that uh, proclamation of enjoyment about the administrative work. You know, it, um, you you really are a, a true teacher, Doctor Goodwin, and 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 we're, we're so grateful for the additional ways that you've been called upon and responded to to uh, service at the university. Thank so, you. Yeah. So the the, um, the the art of teaching the Bible. What what what. Um, what do you want your students to to walk away from? You know, all all of our students at the University of Dallas um, take a um, a course on on the Bible. We call it understanding the Bible. And um, whether they're a business major or a biology major, um, they're they're reading the Bible. And and what what do you want to impart to our undergraduate students who are who are hopefully um, you know this won't be their their one and done study of of the Bible, right. but but what do you want them to walk away from? Um, there, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, there are several points here uh, to make. Um, obviously, in a Catholic uh, context here, the Bible is a vehicle of divine revelation. It's, it's the, one of the ways in which God speaks directly to us. Um, you know, in the Catholic Mass, uh, there is the liturgy of the word in which, uh, you know, the scripture is proclaimed. And as Catholics, we believe that God speaks to us mm-hmm. uh, in this way. And so one of the things that uh, I think is very important in scripture courses is to uh, highlight the divine dimension of, of scripture. Mm-hmm. And as a way of, um, of uh, getting in touch with God or as a way of understanding God. 
Uh, a second point, and again, this is part of uh, Catholic tradition, uh, part of a Catholic tradition of faith-seeking understanding mm-hmm. is uh, that uh, the students of the Bible in my classes can also come to a better intellectual grasp of their Catholic faith mm-hmm. uh, through uh, studying uh, God, um, humanity, and the world. Um, in a sense, we learn about ourselves and who we are. Mm-hmm. from the Bible, uh, why we are here, and the ultimate destiny of, of humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so these are, these are some of the great foundational truths yeah. uh, of the Bible. So uh, having some sense of, of, uh, of God, mm-hmm. a lively sense of God in Scripture, uh, but also uh, deepening their intellectual apprehension mm-hmm. of uh, not only the Bible, but of their, uh, their Catholic faith or... or a uh, sense of God. Yeah, no, that's that's wonderful. So, you know, let's let's think about, um, um, or if if you could describe, um, not just any student now, right? So this this is something we want all of our students to experience through through the core curriculum um, to to understand the Bible in relation to other texts, but also to understand the Bible as as um, foundational to the Catholic faith. And and so there's there's both. Um, wisdom literature approach and and intellectual avenues that intersect but then also there there is a, a devotional and 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 uh, liturgical dimension yeah. to their familiarity um their love for the word of god you you've you've got um uh we've got a concentration in theology we've got a major in theology we have we have a master's degree in theology and we even have a master's of divinity um, that that priest in yeah. formation through uh, Redemptorist Mater Seminary um, participate in. So, with, as you think about those different stages, um, do you, do you do you shift the emphasis in terms of of um, your your teaching uh, for for those who want more um, and and anticipate having different kinds of careers? Some in ministry, um, some in in um, um, uh, further um, research. Some of our students go on and get doctorate degrees in, in theology and come back right. to teach it, as in the case of Dr. Andrew Glicksman. Right. Yeah, our chairman, uh, Dr. Andrew Glicksman. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we teach um, scripture, we teach theology at different levels, um, and I think there's a, a, a common uh, core of uh, things that we teach there. I think the pedagogy uh, might uh, shift a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you move from undergraduates into graduate uh, students, uh, you know, you can, with graduate students, uh, you, you're getting adults who bring a, a life experience, more life experience uh, to the classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you can expect, I think, uh, a little bit more there. Mm-hmm. But I think in terms of um, what we teach, there, there are common core elements, whether it be in systematic theology, moral theology, or, or scripture. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, that that's very helpful. So let's um, let's maybe talk about some of the 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 additions that we've now made to the the work of theological instruction at the University of Dallas. We we recently, uh, until very recently, had had something we called the the Newhoff School of Ministry at the University of Dallas, and right. um, um, that school no longer exists in, in 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 a way, but in another way, it's it's work has been amplified. So um, all of the, the degree programs emphasizing um, pastoral ministry and, and 
um, uh, ways in which we're orienting our our students, both undergraduate and graduate, to to lives of of service to the church, have been incorporated into the theology department and. Um, the continuing education work at the School of Ministry is now in a new institute that we call the Newhoff Institute yeah. for Ministry and Evangelization. And we're, we're looking for an executive director of that institute right now. We've got a, a search up and running, and, and uh, there we provide diaconate formation. We provide uh, the Catholic Biblical School. We're building out additional programs that will reach our youth um, there's a, a real hunger for um, um, re-evangelization, new evangelization, particularly after what has um, um, occurred because of COVID, where where so many people have been forced, oftentimes, to be distant from the sacraments. But you know, we're we're, we're we want to be part of the 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 work of the church in in reigniting a love for the faith and uh, bringing Jesus to to those who have not really encountered him they, everyone seems to have heard of Jesus but but a, a real encounter with yeah. with Jesus through the sacramental life through through our shared love so um, and that that encounter takes place not just in the work of the Newhoff Institute for Ministry and Evangelization but also in your work within the Department of Theology that now includes this this ministerial emphasis in addition to sort of a, a classical approach to to theology yeah. so could you could you talk a little bit about this transition you you've been closer to this than than anyone else you work closely with dr glicksman but you were over the school of ministry as dean for a period of time and and now have been an essential part of this this transition process and what, what excites you about this? What, 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 what are your hopes for um, the work that we're doing now in, in theology with, with ministry included? Yeah. So good questions there. Um, so both I and Andrew Glicksman, who is the chair of the department have begun the work of transitioning Newhouse graduate ministry programs uh, into the theology department and into the Braniff graduate school. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition, um, we have retained, of course, the um, the undergraduate pastoral ministry major, which will stay in Constantine College, the, the undergraduate college on the campus. Mm-hmm. And so while the School of Ministry has closed down, its uh, degree programs continue in the Department of Theology. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we are, we have the same uh, programs, the same courses, the same faculty, who have previously taught these courses, now located in the Department of Theology. Mm -hmm. And we offer three master's programs, um, the MTS, the Master of Theological Studies, Mm -hmm. the MCM, the Master of uh, Catechetical Studies, and then the MPM, the Master of uh, Pastoral uh, Ministry. Mm -hmm. And so these uh, courses provide not only uh, rigorous uh, theological grounding, uh, mm-hmm. a grounding in, in Catholic theology, but they also offer a dimension of uh, a hands-on and practical type mm-hmm. in which uh, our students get a chance to do field education and to do internships and to go out and to, to learn the practical art of, of pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, one of our grad students just completed a year-long internship at the Children's Hospital uh, in in Dallas, 
And so he has the practical mm-hmm. uh, experience now of seeing uh, what it's like to be a hospital chaplain in, mm-hmm. in a children's hospital. Mm-hmm. And so we provide not only uh, a, a good grounding in uh, in Catholic formation, Catholic theological formation, um, but we are in the process of creating youth ministers and catechists and mm-hmm. hospital chaplains who also have the practical uh, side of, of, of pastoral ministry. That, that's great. Thank you for that. And, and it's truly tremendous work. How, how do you understand the, the, um, um, sort of the, the order of theology. You, you use this phrase practical theology, which is sometimes used in place of, of ministry. And, and I sometimes, um, you know, I, I think of, of Martha and Mary, um, right. where, where, where Martha is, is, um, um, you know, we, we sometimes think that she's, she's being chided. She's, she's doing good work. She's serving the Lord. She's serving all of the guests in, in their home. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's absolutely essential. And, and our Lord says to Mary, you know, uh, she's, she's chosen the better portion. Um, and, and it won't be taken from her. And that better portion in, in our tradition, we sometimes think of that as, as a more contemplative approach to, to theology. But it, it's, it's not as though those two are meant to be entirely divorced. There's just a, an order of one to the other and, and, a, um, and a person engaged in practical theology or ministry, it seems to me, is fed from the Martha stream, yes, but, but that stream is, is fed also from the Mary stream. And, and so too for Mary, you know, no, no contemplative is purely contemplative. There's, there's ministerial work, but that's, that's how right, I think right. about it. I, I'd like to hear how, how a theologian thinks about that. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's a good example, Martha uh, and Mary there. So, um, Catholic life is also Catholic practice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a total life orientation that certainly involves um, a, a system of beliefs. It involves uh, the sacraments uh, and mass, attendance at mass, uh, but it also involves uh, an outreach to uh, the community, loving your neighbor, right? Love mm-hmm. God and love your neighbor. And so uh, the loving your neighbor uh, can take many forms, of course, but there's all, also a practical component to it. And mm-hmm. so uh, the, the, the ministry programs attempt to provide formal training and, and um, uh, real-life experience in, uh, in practicing the love of neighbor. Mm-hmm. Again, youth ministry, uh, catechesis, uh, hospital ministry, and a host of other uh, forms of, of pastoral ministry. So mm-hmm. Uh, we need all of these uh, arrays of, of experiences. Uh, again, um, uh, Catholic life and practice is a total life orientation rooted in God, rooted in Christ, rooted in the sacraments, but that should lead to um, some sense of responsibility for those around you, the love, loving your neighbor as, as yourself. Mm. Oh, that's, that's beautifully said. Thank you. You know, I, I want to expand out a little bit. Uh, we've been focusing on this this combination of of um, uh, ministry within the Department of Theology, and I mentioned before we we have now a new institute, the Newhoff Institute for Ministry and Evangelization. We're we're also um, establishing another new institute. We've been partnering with uh, Bishop Burns in the diocese, as well as with the Catholic Foundation to establish a homiletics institute at the University of Dallas. And we're very close 
to um, closing the deal, so to speak, with an executive director of that homiletics institute. And it's it's got in some ways a, a kind of a laser focus on on um, improving preaching of our priests and deacons in the diocese of, of Dallas. That's, that's um, um, not in any way to, to suggest that, <laughs> that, um, you know, there's a radical deficiency, but, but um, the priests themselves um, have expressed the desire for yeah. uh, finding ways to become better homilists. And, and so to our deacons and, and then, you know, what, as, as we're serving the needs of our, of our, our priests and deacons, we imagine, um, partnering with with other dioceses down the road, um, we also provide homiletics um, education within within the degree programs of both ministry and and theology. Insofar as as uh, we've got the the masters of divinity, and and I mentioned yeah. before that the Redemptorist Mater seminarians all receive their academic formation through us. So, you know, with with these these really, it's three. Three units, if you will, at the University of Dallas, the, the, the foundational academic unit of the Department of Theology, which has both, both traditional and, and ministerial theology, and then uh, ministry and evangelization outreach to, to particularly lay Catholics through the Newhoff Institute of Ministry Evangelization, and, and then the Homiletics yeah. um, Institute. How, how do you how do you see all three of these these working together at the University of Dallas, Doctor Goodwin? I think uh, that uh, well, let me let me say that I think in all three cases, uh, one of the common elements is um, that they they tangibly and directly serve the diocese of Dallas, the local mm-hmm. uh, uh, Catholic community, and um, one of the founding figures of the University of Dallas, Bishop Thomas Gorman, mm-hmm. in the 1950s, envisioned the University of Dallas as uh, uh, serving uh, the Diocese of Dallas and having that tangible and direct uh, connection to the Diocese of Dallas. So I think what, what um, binds these three units together is this uh, common uh, vocation or mission of, of service uh, as well as, I would say, contributing to the Catholic identity of the University of Dallas. Mm-hmm. And so these, these units um, um, are uh, emphasizing um, the, the Catholic uh, character of the university. Uh, and this is not to say that other departments don't have um, a, a Catholic character. You right, know, right. Other departments do, but uh, it's, it's much more explicit and, and uh, palpable. Uh, in, in terms of Catholic character, see, to see the theology department now with the, the ministry programs, mm-hmm. uh, the Newhoff Institute, and then the Augustine Institute with uh, the homiletics uh, training, mm-hmm. all extremely uh, important in terms of building up the body of Christ in the local uh, diocese of Dallas. Yeah, no, that that's great. And I, I like the way you, you um, qualified, um, you know, it, the, the relationship to Catholicism and other departments, right? One should not have right. the impression that that theology only matters for those who are teaching theology. It matters in a special way, and, and that's why, for instance, you know, in following with uh, the apostolic constitution of Excorde Ecclesiae, we, we ensure that all of our, our um, instructors in theology, all of our faculty um, have a, a mandate to, to teach, a kind of license from from our, our bishop, um, we don't have that in yeah. in in other departments, but 
um, because they're not teaching theology, and yet, and yet the 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 Catholic character of the university manifests itself in in all disciplines. And you know, yesterday yeah. was or recently was the the feast of of Saint Bonaventure, and I, I was thinking of of one of his texts, the the um, uh, sort of the 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 I'm trying to think of of how best to translate this, but the the collapse or or the the um, drawing back of all disciplines to theology. Um, he explores the relationship between different disciplines, but theology, in a way, is the beginning and and the end, right? Because theology is the science of of God, logos of God, and and he says at the very end uh, when we see God face to face, logos won't be necessary anymore. There will there'll be a, a direct contact. Yeah. But but it's a it's a beautiful image that that uh, Saint Bonaventure gives us of the relationship of the other disciplines. Just as God is the Alpha, the beginning and the end of of everything, so too is He the the beginning and the end of our studies. But each of the other studies have a a, a special um, emphasis, a, a, a disciplinary distinction all their own, and yet is relatable um, to, yes. to to theology. That's right. So there is an autonomy of the disciplines, uh, which is important, and they have their own uh, distinctive methods and approaches um, to the sciences. But ultimately, um, again, I go back to this uh, principle, faith-seeking understanding. Mm -hmm. Um, So the Catholic faith seeks to understand God, of course, but also uh, the human person and the world around us. Mm-hmm. And so the full range of uni- university disciplines is um, uh, part of this this understanding of things, a coherent uh, understanding of mm-hmm. uh, the university, right? That's right. Uh, universal uh, here, and Catholic, of course, meaning uh, universal as well. Yes. Well, we're, we're almost to the very end of our time, Dr. Goodwin. Hard to believe it goes so fast. I often yeah. ask guests what, what, what book to read. Um, I... I you know, it, 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 I think your favorite book is probably the Bible. Um, but but um, <laughs> it, um, it, any 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 um, any direction on on what to read or or how to read or uh, that you'd like to leave for our our, uh, our listeners? Well, um, I've been particularly fascinated with Paul and his letters uh, for the past few years, mm-hmm. and so there are uh, some good books out there. Um, on on Paul and his letters, and if I could be a, a little shameless here in promoting my recent book mm-hmm. on Paul and participation in Christ, and participation in Christ for Paul mm-hmm. was a kind of sacramental union uh, mm-hmm. with the living Christ uh, as a part of the lived experience of of Christians and and, and Catholic uh, experience, of course. Mm-hmm. And so, but there are a lot of good books out there uh, on. There's, there's no, uh, there's no shame in mentioning your recent book. Um, and, okay. and, I, and I have no doubt that people would benefit from, from reading it. Um, so it's, it's been such a pleasure to talk with you, Dr. Goodwin. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your work at the university of Dallas. And thank you, Dr. Sanford. Okay. All right, and thank you to both of them. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been the Good News Show here on uh, KTH 910 AM. And thanks to Diane Sissel. And don't forget, you know what I'm going to say, 10 days from now, Summer Speaker Series event. Get your tickets if, if you haven't got them already. We'd love to see you out there, okay? Uh, SummerSpeakerSeries.com is the website. Have a great rest of your day. St. Joachim and Ann, pray for us. And uh, God bless you. See you next week.
Thanks for joining us for the Good News Show here on KATH 910 AM on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please join us next week at the same time for the next Good News Show. KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. On EWTN Radio.